0: Hello, and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. The cybersecurity industry needs to be a safe space for everyone who works in it. That's essential if the industry is to mature and to grow. Unfortunately, right now, that is far from the case. According to one survey, 32% of industry professionals had experienced harassment online and 35% had done so in the real world. And a significant minority say they would not call out or report inappropriate behaviour. Respect in Security is an initiative launched earlier this year that sets out to tackle this. The hope is that by signing up both firms and individuals to take its pledge, Respect and security will reduce unacceptable behaviour and meanwhile, provide support to its victims. Ultimately, by creating a more positive working environment, cybersecurity should become a more diverse and more effective industry. We invited Respect Security's co-founders, Lisa Forti and Rick Ferguson, to explain more.
1: Respect Security is um, an organisation that we founded with a group of other people to essentially try our best to make a significant positive change to the industry when it comes to harassment, abuse, inappropriate behaviour, um, to make the industry feel like a safer, more inclusive place um, where people can, you know, learn and thrive. We sort of initially started by saying we wanted to stamp out hate and harassment in the industry. we we want to see a positive change in it in, in some capacity. That's the sort of ethos, I suppose, of the organization.
0: So how did this
2: originate? I, I've had my concerns about some behavior and attitudes within our industry for, for quite a long time. I've had a, a tweet pinned to my Twitter and stuck to the top of my LinkedIn and various other places, making it very clear, for example, that I I wouldn't participate in men-only panels anymore. And that's been there for a good 3 or 4 years because that that kind of dominance of men and disregard of non-men was already well established and 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 prominent and prevalent within our industry and that's obviously not a good starting point um so you know my it was on my radar so to speak as an issue and something that i was trying to take personal individual action to do my bit to to try and help correct or change um but then the impetus that actually led directly to the foundation of respecting security came at a, a cyber house party event where there was a panel discussing harassment specifically within our industry. And, you know, if you're not a perpetrator uh, and you're not a victim and I'm neither of those things, fortunately for me, um, then it's an area that you can actually be really um Blissfully ignorant of, if you know what I mean, the the scope, the significance, the damage, the the behaviour that some people are willing to uh, to participate in or to enable. And I was blissfully ignorant, so I was listening to this panel, which was uh, moderated by Eleanor Dalloway from Infosecurity, uh, and Lisa was one of the people speaking on the panel, and she told her personal story of um, the kinds of uh, harassment to which she has been subject. Um, and it was a massively eye-opening moment for me. And you know, we don't have to relive all of that here, but I know that that panel is on YouTube. And if you wanna go find that Cyber House Party panel, you can probably have the same epiphany that I had at the time. So um, the one of the co-founders of uh, Cyber House Party and I, Mark Avery, and I had a discussion straight afterwards, and we were both saying, I cannot believe that this happens. To the extent that it happens, and I cannot believe that people are willing to indulge in this kind of harassment, and even openly under their real names, and not just on anonymous Twitter accounts, but on you know fully accredited uh, LinkedIn accounts, for example. Uh, and we were blown away and shamed, I suppose, to a certain extent by this behavior. And we had a long talk, just him and I, about um, what could we possibly do that might actually make a concrete difference beyond being aghast at the behavior. Um, And the end result of that uh, was respecting security. And obviously we've drafted in the whole team of co-founders. It's not just just Lisa and I, there's a whole collection of like-minded individuals that want to make a concrete difference. And the the, the initial step was, let's create respect and security. Let's create a pledge that we want organizations to sign up to. Of course, we want the support of individuals and the more people that are bringing up the subject and the more people that are willing to shut harassment and abuse down whenever they see it. That's great. But we want to create, uh, as Lisa said, an atmosphere within the industry of openness, of tolerance, and most importantly, of willingness to listen to stories of abuse and to act on those stories. So what we're asking organizations to do when they take the pledge um, is, among other things, to pledge that they will be open to receiving, listening to, and acting on uh, complaints of inappropriate behavior, harassment, abuse uh, about their employees. And that That's the thing that's really been missing. Of course, organizations have their internal policies, anti bullying, anti harassment, all of those good things. But if you're being, you're an industry event, for example, and you're inappropriately uh, uh, touched or harassed by somebody else who works for another company, those avenues haven't been open. And that's one of the important things that we're trying to open up with respect insecurity, how you deal with with those kinds of incidents.
0: some of the numbers are quite challenging, aren't they, So uh, You did some research back in July, this was done, but personal experience of harassment online was 32% of respondents, and, and actually in person is 35%. I think, you know, looking through your figures, that was the part that stuck out for me most, was the online harassment, I'm not saying we tolerate it and we shouldn't, but we understand it's there, we know about it, and it's quite hard to avoid in this industry as in others. But that face-to-face element uh, struck me as being quite a surprise. I would have thought that the industry would be better than that. So did that surprise uh, either of you as co-founders?
1: I think what sort of surprised me, so I'd gone through quite a lot of horrible stuff. And um, there was, I think, part of me that sort of assumed it was something to do with me. I was an perhaps an unlikable person, or I I was attracting the wrong types of people or, you know, something that was sort of about me that was kind of putting myself in these situations. And I was genuinely considering leaving the industry because I had got to a point where, to be perfectly honest, I'd just sort of had enough. I'd had enough of feeling the way I had. And when we started respecting Security, I think the thing that astonished me more than the numbers, more than whether it was in person or virtual, was the fact that anybody can be a victim and anybody can be a perpetrator. So one thing that I think I naively went into this believing was that it was predominantly men as the perpetrators against women as the victims. But actually we had men coming forward who had been victimized in various different ways by both men and women. Um, And it it was astonishing to me the number of people at different levels of their career all the way from sort of student intern level all the way up to CISOs who had experienced hate, harassment, abuse by men or women in the industry in various different forms. And as Rick said earlier, the fact that so many people are happy to do it on LinkedIn under their actual name with their employer cited on their profile. Um, And I think the reason for that is that there is no recourse. There's no. If you're a victim, you can go to LinkedIn. They're not going to suspend the account. I have been sent some incredibly graphic images, and LinkedIn have not suspended those accounts. Um, I have had the police round, and they, you know, through no fault of their own, really have their hands tied. They don't have a lot they can do. Um, The law does not afford them that. I've spoken to lawyers. Again, there's not an awful lot you can do um, as a victim. So I think because of that, these people sort of operated with impunity almost. They had no, there was no ramifications to their actions. Um, and so I think the really important part of respect to security is the fact that companies that sign the pledge, I can approach them and I can say, this is what has happened. This is your employee. This is how it's made me feel. This is the evidence. And they can look at that. And that's one of the criticisms has been you're sort of operating as a police force and these people, you know... How do you decide who gets fired and who doesn't? We don't decide that. The employer has their own disciplinary processes, but it may not even come to that. It may be a conversation with the person to say, look, your behavior has caused this effect on this individual. Reign it in a little bit, in which case, fine. Fine. Or conversely, it could be that the individual, as we're using Rick as an example, Rick, has been having a lot of personal problems, and this is the manifestation of that, and actually he needs some help and support. So it doesn't come down to policing or losing people or their jobs or anything like that necessarily. It's just about opening a conversation.
2: And we've definitely had a reaction. You know, there was a uh, one story in, a, actually, it was an American publication, um, but Quite soon after the launch, there was a story, and the whole focus of the story was basically me. And they went through my Twitter timeline and analyzed what they thought were my political leanings, went on to describe me as openly left-wing. And basically the conclusion of the story was: would you trust this man to police your behavior online? Like Lisa said, that's not what we're doing. We're not there to be judge, jury, or executioner or anything in between those roles. We are simply there. To encourage companies to open up and to listen more and to take action when people uh, communicate with them. You know, I would be worried, and and this is something that did occur to me over the last however many months it is since we launched. Um, But it's occurred to me regularly in that intervening time. You know, are we basing this, the launch of Respect and Security, on Lisa's experiences? Because if we are, that's pretty stupid right, to, to, to say oh, we need a movement for this person because we don't need a movement for a single person. But what, I, what has repeatedly happened since we launched is that I have received messages on LinkedIn, uh, I have received messages on Twitter uh, from all kinds of people in our industry, in all kinds of different geographies, in all kinds of levels of seniority and experience, basically validating the kind of story that Lisa was telling and saying, here's my story as well. And and saying I'm so grateful and thankful that somebody finally is doing something public-facing, first and foremost, to shed light on the fact that this is an issue, and of course to help to try and do something about it. So it's while while Lisa was the uh, or Lisa's experience rather was the the seed that grew into respect and security. It's absolutely not the foundation. Of respect and security. What has become the foundation is what has become clear since we launched um, that there are plenty of people out there with very negative experiences and very sad stories to tell. Uh, and I'm really, you know, personally really pleased um, that we're able to, to do something. And I'm fully aware, and you know, I want to address some of the criticisms that have come up because um, I haven't done any interviews about this since we launched. So you're giving me the opportunity now to say a whole bunch of things that have occurred to me in the intervening. Time, which I'm grateful for. Um, You know, as well as the stuff about judge, jury, and executioner, other people have come to us and said, you know, there are a lot of other groups working in this area. Why aren't you working with them? We want to, we're open to that. Please, uh, you know, let us know who you are because clearly one of the problems has been a lack of visibility for some of those other groups because I haven't seen a splash like we've made around any of these other groups. Maybe that's because there are more people listening to us as a collective, maybe that's because we struck a nerve, maybe that's because we said something exactly the right time, who knows? But anyway, we're absolutely opening to open to working with all of these other groups uh, and to having lines of communication and sharing best practices and learning from one another. Please let us know who you are, we want to talk. Um, and secondly, the concern, there has been concern raised about, well, who are you guys anyway, right? Who are these people behind respect and security, and how do I know that I can trust you? Fully appreciate that you, you know, you don't know me personally, you don't know Lisa personally, or any of the other founders. Very probably, you don't know us personally, and you can't form an opinion, you know, a trusting opinion in such a sensitive area about any of us. Uh, we, as uh, individuals. Are taking uh, taking the 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 tenets of respect and security very seriously. Respecting security. Of course, we are taking our own pledge. And if you have anything, any concerns that you want to raise about anybody that works within our organisation, then reach out to us. Um, you reach out to us as an organisation through respect and security, or you can reach out to any one of us individually if you feel that you know you have concerns about another one of us that you you don't want to uh, to have them involved in the conversation. We are. We are absolutely here to listen and we will definitely take action on any of the concerns that you might have about us. And I know, final thing, um, that one of our goals for this year was to open up um, uh, solicit... uh, people to join our board or our advisory group because we're very aware that diversity within respect and security isn't particularly well represented other than gender diversity and we definitely do want to address that we haven't opened up th- that application process yet uh, and that is tied to the point i was making previously is we have to work out very firmly very concretely how we will go about vetting people that want to be a part of of our advisory group. We will still have a diverse, it's an absolute commitment. We will still open up and have a diverse advisory group. We just need to be sure that we're doing it right before we start doing it, not
0: afterwards. Is this a deep seated problem in this industry? And do you think it's a problem that is particular to security? Maybe looking at other high tech industries, we'd see something similar?
1: I think the problem that cyber has as an industry is not that we're inherently more abusive or harassing as, as individuals, but I think it's because as, a, as an industry, we are we use the online forums a lot, perhaps more so than some other industries. So we're heavily, you know, we're very deeply connected on a global scale through lots of different online platforms, a lot of which afford anonymity, not all of them. Um, and I think that that lends itself and will inevitably. Manifest more abusive behaviour by its very nature, as opposed to it being part and parcel of the nature of the industry. I think it's the way we engage with technology and use a lot of online um, kind of chats and you know forums and so on and so forth that kind of lends itself to some of these things, as opposed to it being a problem with the industry per se.
2: I think I mean clearly, cybersecurity is a you know a subset of the IT industry in general. IT industry is. No, not just anecdotally but you can you go to any event you can visually recognize it is a heavily male dominated industry it's definitely um, cybersecurity not being an exception the whole industry has had its problems in the past of things like you know booth babes and how you know sales tactics and techniques that rely on sexualization of women uh, within the industry that stuff is going away. There has been a very strong movement to make sure that we stamp that out, which is brilliant. Uh, But nevertheless, it's a male-dominated industry. But something that strikes me as being perhaps particular to cybersecurity, even more so than IT, although also IT. Um, It's such a fast-moving industry that actually, I think there is a lot of I'm going to get so shot down for this, but I believe it, right, so I'm going to say it. I think there's actually also a lot of fear in our industry, right? There are people, there are dinosaurs like me that have been in the industry for a very long time. And when you, when you start, um, for me, like 26 years ago, technology looked really different, right? TCPIP was still a choice it wasn't a thing that you would If you had a network, it was going to be an IP network. It might've been IPX, SPX. It might've been token ring. Uh, It almost certainly wasn't wireless. I mean, technology looked totally different. Um, So I think what you end up with is that if there are people um, who have been in the industry for a long time, in some cases, you will end up with people who actually to a degree are living in fear and living in self doubt, because if you don't continue, to move with the times and to keep up with the threat landscape, to keep up with the technology landscape, to keep your chops and to carry on learning. If you're the kind of person that feels that you can rest on your laurels, you will end up in this industry anyway, feeling very uncertain. And that is definitely one of the things that can cause you to lash out, uh, to be aggressive and to be a gatekeeper as you try and protect your own little ivory tower. Like I said, I'm gonna get shot down by a whole load of people for saying that, but I honestly think that's the case that for some people, a failure to move with the times and a lack of confidence in your ability today, if you're resting on your laurels of yesterday, uh, can cause that kind of fear that, that that makes you lash out at other people, particularly what you regard, regard as upstarts uh, in the industry or people that shouldn't be there. There's no such thing as people that shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, and I think, the, I think the other, just to add to that, um, I, I actually agree with Rick on that point. Um, so you haven't been shot back down by one person. So that's, one, that's one credit. Um, but I also think we, and I include myself in this, have made mistakes in how we engage online. And I'm going to use myself as an example. Um, I have in the past, prior to respecting security launching, I have engaged in pylons where someone has said, Oh, this person has trolled me. Can someone help me out online? And I've got stuck in and I've done so in under the sort of belief that I'm helping out my friend and defending my friend. Um, But perhaps that was not the right course of action to take. Um, And I think there are lots of people who have done things such as that, that they haven't necessarily thought through and in hindsight have thought, well, maybe that wasn't the right course of action. And what we're saying isn't that everybody historically now needs to be pulled up for every mistake they've made online. It's going forward. Let's learn from that and let's be more respectful in how we engage. So it's, you know, it's not about saying to everybody, you know, I'm sure everybody, if we go through your online history, there's something somewhere that we could pull up and say, this wasn't very kind or this wasn't hugely respectful in how you address that person. So let's learn from that and going forward, engage in respectful debate or, walk away, which is an option that a lot of people forget is actually open to you.
2: <laughs> you know, there's so much hackneyed, cliche stuff out there. And I used to be the, the first person to dismiss basically all of it, but there's a really good reason why something becomes hackneyed and cliche, like be the change you want to see, because there's a whole lot of truth to it. If we each individually make a commitment to be better, then we make a better industry.
0: That's all there is to it. What are the consequences for the industry of this behaviour? And what would the benefits be of improving the way people interact, either in the face-to-face or online environment?
1: I think the number of people who said to me, to Rick, to other people who helped found respect and security. When we started, we like Rick said, we had lots and lots of people coming forward with their stories, which were hugely emotional and touching and, and horrific, actually. Um, and the number of them who the sort of the commonality was that they really struggled emotionally, and they actually considered changing roles or leaving the industry, which obviously has a huge impact in some situations. But also it sort of struck me as difficult if I go on a panel or or do a talk, which the theme of which is trying to encourage young people into the industry. Can I do that with a clear conscience, knowing what they're going to be walking into? Is that a, the right thing to do when you've got these young people who are looking up to you and, you know, full of kind of hope and haven't reached that sort of point in their life where they have lost all hope in, in society and in the world? You know, that they're very, you know, sitting there and telling them this is a great place to work. Can I honestly say that if I don't buy it, if I don't, you know? So for me, I think that it's twofold, you know. We want more people into this industry on a lot of levels. It's a great industry to work in. Um, but we need to make sure we retain people in the industry who are great and make sure it's a safe space to learn. But also I think, Um, Going back to the point Rick made earlier of fear, you know, I think there is a fear of putting an idea out there because the way it's challenged, the way people debate you on that issue isn't necessarily going to be respectful and actually have a debate on an issue that can help bring our thinking, um, evolve our thinking as an industry, because you're worried that if I say X, then I'm going to get abused and I'm going to get shot down for it. And that's, that's not a hallmark of an industry that's going to evolve very quickly and have lots of new ideas.
2: You know, I, I um have spoken several times uh at events aimed at young people who are considering their career options for the future whether that's like cyber first events or computing live or the, I mean there's a, there's a bunch you know, have to to name check them I suppose. Um but aimed at your kids from sort of 11 12 years old onwards. Um the One of the things that I recommend them to do when they say, okay, what are the career paths open to me and how do I find out more about this? How do I get involved? One of the places I tell them to go is Twitter because it's a really lively, active community of people having great conversations. Um, And if I'm not doing something, making some concrete effort to improve some of the abusive atmosphere out on the socials in general, um, then it feels really um, more damaging than helpful, actually, to point people to those... uh, to those environments, because yes, they'll find some great people to follow, but of course they will find also uh, abusive behavior and trolling and all the other stuff that, that goes along with it. So that needs to change. Otherwise, you know, when people are considering their career pathways, they will very quickly reconsider if they feel that that particular one means they're walking into a, a, a toxic environment.
0: What do we want organisations to do, though? Your pledge can be taken by individuals, but there's a lot of focus on asking organisations to sign up. Uh, what are the expectations and and what positive steps can be done within the workplace uh, and also the community of the self-employed um, and students and others in the industry to change attitudes?
2: There are a number of points in the pledge. Uh, we, we
0: had to tread a fine line between
2: um, making it sound like a pledge and making it sound like a corporate policy. And it falls somewhere in between those two two things. Um, but for me, two things really stand out. One is uh, to to create a, a listening environment within an organization and without. So to, to make sure that you're, you, you don't treat someone reporting a problem as the problem. To say that we will take your report of it seriously and that we recognize that you coming to your employer with a report of an issue isn't turning you into an enemy of, of your employer. It's actually you're, you're being an even stronger ally by surfacing these kind of issues. So to create that listening culture internally and to project that exact same thing externally, you are a stronger partner of us uh, if you are there to alert us to um, uh, to behavior which is unacceptable within our industry. Um, so that that's, uh, that's the first point. Uh, and the second is about education. It's about making sure that people understand what actually constitutes harassment and abuse? What actually constitutes unacceptable behavior within this organization? Because it is a really fluffy, airy term with a lot of wiggle room in it. You know, unacceptable to who and why? What for? Um, what are the consequences of it? What does it actually mean? So another part of the the, um, the pledge is to make sure that as an organization, you are reviewing your policies and educating your employees about what is unacceptable behavior why is it unacceptable uh, and and what should you do when you encounter it you know one of the there are things you have to do personally and it's something that i had a big long personal learning journey about which is uh, to to call out this kind of behavior when you see it even interpersonally not just to your employer or someone else's employer but for so long i don't know if it's just a part of being english or if it's uh, you know not not wanting to cause a fuss uh, or if it's just not being very brave uh, and not having the confidence but for so long people tell an off color joke for example and the easiest thing to do is to laugh along to quietly disapprove internally and go ha 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 and walk away i made a vow to myself some time ago that i'm not going to do that anymore you know if you tell a joke in front of me or make a comment in front of me that I think is offensive I'll make sure politely that you understand that I think it's offensive and why and that I don't really appreciate that kind of behavior around me so we need to do it personally and the pledge aims to make sure that that atmosphere of polite education uh, is is continued within organizations as well
0: is the one thing that you would say people should do looking at their own behavior uh, in the industry to become a better advocate and more respectful of others.
1: Read through, think through before you hit post, before you hit comment to someone, think about it. If it's something that you really wanna contest with them, maybe consider putting it in a DM and having a a, a private conversation instead of publicly shouting about it. Um, And just remember that you don't necessarily know the state of the person you're engaging. They might be having difficulties, they might have mental health issues. So just engage with them in a respectful way even if you disagree with them, even if you really dislike them, we can still be respectful.
0: Is it possible then to have diversity without respect, or is respect a precursor for improving the diversity? and therefore the potential of this industry?
2: Respect is definitely a precursor for diversity and representation within our industry. if If you um, approach certain groups uh, or uh, certain belief systems or whatever with disrespect, then you will never take their opinion seriously uh, and you will never seriously consider them to be potential valuable members of the community. Respect is absolutely essential to building an inclusive and a, and a thriving, innovative uh, community within our industry and within any industry. So any steps that we can take to to make sure that, you know we are an industry that listens to one another, that respects one another, and that, invites contributions from anyone, irrespective of who they are, where they come from, what they look like, what they think or believe, and what their background is. As long as we show mutual respect to one another, it will be a much healthier um, and, and actually a much more effective industry.
0: Respect Security co-founder Rick Ferguson on how respect is essential to achieve diversity in the industry, and without that, how it will struggle to thrive and to grow. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, we'll look back at 2021 and forward to the security challenges and opportunities of 2022. That episode will be live in two weeks' time, and I hope you can join us then. Meanwhile, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk and, of course, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again to our guests and thank you for listening.